Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I've got a really fun one for us today, you guys. I'm being joined by Hannah Crane, who is the National Puppy Program Manager for Dogs for Better Lives, that's located actually right in the town right next door to me. So (laughs) I really am looking forward to talking to Hannah about temperament testing. She's doing temperament testing for the service dogs that go into her program, but I think there's a lot of good application for those of us who are breeding for performance or show or companion homes. And I'm thrilled that Hannah's going to join us and talk to us about this. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. Trupanion can give you peace of mind knowing your pet is covered in the event of an unexpected accident or illness. Even better, Trupanion can pay your veterinarian directly and has no payout limits. So you'll never have to choose between what's best for your pet and what's best for your wallet. And if you're a breeder, you can join Trupanion's free breeder support program and get a special offer to share with your puppy buyers that waives all the waiting periods. So coverage goes into effect immediately. And when I was at the garden this summer, I was hanging out with Trupanion and I got a chance to catch up with Cindy She's a breeder who's a member of Trupanion's Breeder Support Program, and she shared the following testimonial with us. She said that Trupanion has been the best and saved me thousands of dollars. My puppy buyers love it, and I hope they always stick with it. A dog is never going to have an accident on payday. It's always when the money is tight. Cindy, you are dead on about that. So take a moment, guys. Sign up for Trupanion's free breeder support program now so you and your litters can be prepared for anything. Get started by heading over to my partner page, puredogtalk.com. So welcome, Hannah. Hi, thank you. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, talk a little bit about what we do and why we do it. Excellent. (laughs) Okay, so Hannah, start off with telling us what Dogs for Better Lives does. I want to give your organization a plug because I think it's really cool. Yeah, thank you. So Dogs for Better Lives is a really great organization. We actually help clients by providing professionally trained assistance dogs. We focus on three programs currently. We have hearing assistance dogs, we have autism assistance dogs, and we have facility assistance dogs. We place nationally, so clients Mm -hmm. across Mm -hmm. the board. Mm -hmm. It's a really great program. It allows us to help in a variety of different ways, and we absolutely love what we do here. So it's a great program. I highly recommend you look us up online. Um, um, We'll make sure there's links for people there. And so tell us more about the autism assistance dogs, because this was a new concept to me. Yeah, yeah, of course. So our autism assistance dogs go to children who are on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. There's an age range, I believe we accept from 4 to 12 years old. 
just to kind of make sure that we get the dogs in the home as early as possible to help them grow and develop. They're really there to just help the child and help the parents feel more confident with that child. The dogs, we actually do teach them to interact with the child. So sometimes we can teach them to pass the ball to them, which is really cute. It also helps the child to trust and open up, which sometimes for children on the spectrum, it can be very hard and difficult for them to do that. So a great program for those children, for those families. And we're really proud to be able to provide that service for people. I love that. I think that is very cool. I have number of people in my surrounding world that either have autistic children or work with autistic children. So I just think that's a really, really, really great program. So talk to us about, I mean, we've covered this somewhat on the show in the past, but I really want to kind of deep dive on it. What is temperament testing? What are you testing for and how are you doing that testing? So temperament tests are exactly how they sound. They help us to assess and identify any temperaments that the puppies are showing us in a litter. Are we looking at a puppy who is confident and calm in any environment? Are we looking at a puppy who is maybe shy or reserved, Mm -hmm. unsure of their surroundings? Mm -hmm. It really helps give us a snapshot in time what that litter is showing as well as the individual puppy. So we get to look at each puppy and the litter as a whole, because that's great data for our our breeders. We can Mm -hmm. see what's trending. Right. It helps us to place, which I'll get more into in a little bit, but the particular test that we use helps us to see how the puppy reacts to different environments, how it reacts to different people, different stimuli, novel objects, and also different stressors. So an overall identification process of what this puppy is showing us in this moment. And what age? You just came and did an evaluation for a litter here at my house, but is seven weeks a normal age or what age range are you doing these typically? You want to do them between seven and eight weeks old. That's really the prime time to do it. If you're being really picky, seven and a half weeks old is prime. You're right at their sponge stage. They're really coming into their own behaviors in the litter, finding their social status, as well as right before they go into their first fear period too. And that's essential. Okay. Excellent. So talk us through some of the testing I've used and many folks out there in our world are familiar with the Volhard test and all of that. So talk to us about the specific test that you're using was very similar, but had a couple extra pieces. So I I was just wanting you to share some of those details. And is this a testing program that other people can incorporate? Is there a way for them to find the material to do this with their own litters? So what we use as a school is called the BCL. It's a behavior checklist. This checklist was actually put together by several different guide dog schools. Volhard is very popular. It's something that I think AKC people know, right? (laughs) Yes. AKC recommends this, I believe. That Navidog, I think, has one. But for a school like ours and a school like Guide Dogs, we have to do more in-depth training. We have to do a really in-depth assessment of every single litter that we produce. We have to have a non-biased opinion, and it has to be written out in extreme depth. So the idea, Hannah, that you're talking about with this particular test, you said BSL, is that right? BCL, yes. So behavior checklist, yes. (laughs) BCL, yes. So behavior checklist. It is very much like the Volhard test. Mm -hmm. The difference is we're testing more things. We're testing more items than the Volhard test does. 
And we also have an intense key. So it literally writes out, did the dog shake their head? Did the puppy tuck its tail? Did the puppy, you know, avoid the fan? Mm -hmm. The reason behind that is, is because the Volhard uses a scale from one to six. Now, your version of what a two or three looks like would be vastly different from what my two or three looks like. So the best part about the BCL is it is so in-depth. You can have a new trainer look at this and completely understand what this test is asking you to look for, as well as a seasoned professional. And maybe their opinions are different, but it literally writes the whole thing out for you, which is so lovely for us to have, especially for guide work, especially for our work that we do we have to have in-depth notes on each puppy to make sure we're following what is successful in our programs, Mm -hmm. what breeding is successful, Mm -hmm. who we want to continue to breed. So we have to have this. And again, you know, a temperament test is a snapshot in time. So there's a lot of other factors that will go into our dogs in training as they continue to grow and progress. But this is we have found pretty accurate, gives us an idea of what we can expect from this litter and this individual puppy. Right. Because, and I'm just going to remind people about this, wait for it, temperament is genetic. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) And I think we have to start with that as a basis. Like, Mm -hmm. let's start with the fact that temperament is genetic and you can fine tune through training Mm -hmm. what you have, but you have a baseline that's what they came with. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's great for private breeders as well. So for you guys to be able to identify which puppies will be successful in a private home or a show dog home or a sport home. I mean, our ultimate goal, both of us, you know, whether you're a school or a private breeder, the ultimate goal is to set up these puppies for success, to set up our families and our clients for success. We want that puppy or dog to stay in that home for the rest of its life. This is how we do that. (laughs) that. So talk about some of the individual tests and I guess tell us what it tells you, right? So if the puppy tucked its tail here or put its ears up there or, you know, some of those things, tell us what that actually tells you. I think that's really fascinating. And I mean, I know what I've done through the years with my litters, but watching you work through that litter was really cool just to see how you address the specific things. Absolutely. Yeah. So I love doing this because a common misconception is that all puppies are happy and excited and do well in every environment and they just have no care in the world. As a breeder, we know this is not the case. (laughs) Litters will show us over and over again that each puppy is its own individual. Yes, you will have hereditary traits, but also puppies are individuals. They're going to have individual temperaments. So Really testing if a puppy is unsure of their environment, maybe something startled them and then all of a sudden, so let's say you're using a blowing fan, okay? You walk by that blowing fan, the puppy is following you and all of a sudden that puppy startles, tucks its tail, either avoids the fan or completely just shuts down. Mm. That's important. That is important to note because that is how that puppy is handling that stressor, that stimuli. Mm. You know, is it the noise? Is it the sensation of the air? Is it just something they weren't expecting? That's how that puppy is going to handle stress that it encounters throughout its puppyhood. Okay, so now we know that that puppy maybe needs some confidence building. So 
Let's look at putting them with, in our case, in our school, if I have a puppy who's more shy or reserved, that tells me I need to A, find a puppy raiser who has done this before and is more knowledgeable in puppy behaviors, who can do some confidence building for that puppy so we can really give it a solid foundation so that it can handle stressors as it continues to grow. If you have an overly confident puppy, say you put that puppy in that environment and they're like, cool. (laughs) Running away now. I mean, that's, you know, and I think too, you and I were laughing, you were doing a temperament test with Labrador retrievers and I raise wire hair pointers and I want them to run away. So I think too, your end user, right, is Mm -hmm. a whole part of that conversation. Yes, absolutely. You're tying in that temperament test with your breeding. You want to know your breed that you're breeding. You also want to know that the breed is showing you the traits that you want and you want to breed that. So temperament testing gives you an idea of what that breeder bitch is going to provide. You know, the stud also counts there too. In the litter, it just gives you more data. And so you can breed more successfully for what you're looking for. And also if you're looking at maybe keeping a puppy back, from that litter to breed. Okay, well, now you're looking for, okay, what do I want in this breed line? Do I want confidence? Or maybe doesn't care about the person, but can handle whatever you throw at them. Or, you know, maybe you're breeding for families and you want a middle of the road dog who can handle different environments, handle kids running in and out of the house, you know, changes in their environment and is okay, but maybe doesn't have the energy. We can test for that. We can look at that. And then you can identify those dogs that you want to hold back for your breeding program and then place the rest of your dogs with families or sporting homes, you know, whichever you're for their individual level. And I think, you know, we talk about all the time in my world, we talk about preservation breeders, right? People that are Mm -hmm. very specifically working on putting the right dog in the right home, matching people to the dog. And in every litter, and we saw it in that particular litter, right? You had two that were very bold, very confident. You had two that like completely are like noped out, (laughs) totally paced out. And two (laughs) were like, whatever. Yep. (laughs) We got a variety. (laughs) Right, exactly. And so knowing which they are and knowing what that entails for where they should go as a home. I think is a big piece of it. Yeah. And there's other things, again, like you'll have different environments that they'll grow in and that can change that. But down in the core, that's really going to show you who they are. Now, one benefit that I will recommend. So when doing these tests, you want to bring someone on who is not familiar with the litter. The litter is not familiar with them. You want a stranger to do this. A stranger who can also read behaviors. That is the most important thing, because if you get a puppy who absolutely shuts down. You do not want somebody pushing that puppy when they know that that's going to do more harm than good. But if you have the opportunity, which I was given the opportunity with the litter that you had, and I'm so thankful for this, because you're having a stranger come on, they don't have any bias on the litter, but also being able to see the litter's natural habitat. So the environment they're comfortable in with first or after that you do the test is also essential because I was able to see the litter in the home that they were whelped in and that they're comfortable with. And I saw the exact same thing that I saw in the test. We had two confident puppies who ran out into the back 40 and they were like, I'm here. I'm doing what I want. 
I saw two puppies that were engaging with the other dogs, but you know what? They kind of wanted to hang with the people, but not be on top of the people. Mm -hmm. And then I saw the two puppies who hung out by themselves and were by the gate and huddled. That gave me an immediate snapshot Mm -hmm. of these dogs' natural temperaments even before I got to the test. So I had a really good idea of what I was going to look at. And the test is done in a completely different space than what they're comfortable in. And I think that is so important. I think really was eye-opening to me when I first started doing these tests, how different, like I may think this puppy is balls to the wall until Mm -hmm. I drop it on Mars and it's like, uh, no, no. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And you can tell the difference. Yes. Yes, because you're in a comforting environment. You already know the environment. What's there to stress about? Again, that's why we test these puppies. So when you're setting up a test, you want a new environment to them. Now, this doesn't mean you have to go find a space far away from home. It could be as simple as setting up a bedroom that they've never had access to. So very easy to do. So you want a new environment, as simple of an environment as you can. You don't want other dogs or people walking in and out. You want just a quiet, calm, controlled environment, but something new. You also want two people, one to score the test. It's very important that the scorer does not move, does not engage with the puppy. We want the puppy to not even know they're there if we can. Sometimes that means setting up an X-Pen, putting them behind it so the puppy doesn't have direct access to them. Mm -hmm. The next, you want a non-biased party, somebody who's not engaged with the litter, doesn't have any preferences. I don't care who you are. When we are breeding litters, we always have our favorites, even though we say we love the litter. <laughs> Across the board, we always have our favorites. So. Uh, the pink collar's the best one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So again, a non-biased party, a neutral scorer who will be out of the way, but can see the behaviors that are showing. You want, depending on the test you're doing, most successful test right now to any breeder is most likely going to be the Volhard test. And again, it's similar to the BCL, but you're going to want to set up everything ahead of time. You're going to want, you know, stairs or a statue or depending on what you're testing for, if you want sport, something that they'll chase. We want to see if that dog has that natural desire to chase what their work ethic is. Something to startle them with and see how they handle that stressor, a blowing fan, a vacuum, those types of things. Have that set up beforehand so that you're ready prepared you've got all your test papers out and you're ready to go the next step you know you really want the person who has been handling the litter something super familiar to be the person that drops that puppy off in the test area this will show us how attached they are to that person who's been handling them (laughs) and sometimes again you're going to get the puppies who are like oh that's nice see you later or you're going to get the puppy like um where are you going? <laughs> can you, you come back? No. Yep. So you can see whether the dog has hyper attachment, mm-hmm. is easy in an unfamiliar environment, those types mm-hmm. of things. That's very important. So having those key factors, I would also recommend if you don't know trainers, if you're a breeder who doesn't have any connections, totally fine. What I would recommend is actually going to the CCPDT. <laughs> I know that was a mouthful. <laughs> It's a certification for trainers to go to assess their knowledge. It's a standardized test. So for trainers to even be certified in this, they have to have over 300 hours of training. Mm -hmm. They have to pay and take a test to prove that they know what they're talking about. 
They also have to get a letter written by a professional, so either a veterinary or another certified trainer to sign off on this. For this particular test that you're doing? You can, yeah. This is what I'm recommending. For our schools, obviously, it's our personal trainers that are doing the testing. So we're not having somebody, but I'm saying for a normal breeder who maybe doesn't have the connections to a trainer, that's what I would recommend. So you can know that the person that's coming to evaluate your puppy is non-biased, but can read that puppy's body language. That is the most important part. And so the link Um, that we provide will have like a listing of these folks and where they're located. You can put your zip code in and it'll show you a list of certified trainers. And so I highly recommend starting there if you don't have connections. If you know somebody who trains and can read body language, you're more than welcome. But I'm just trying to help people who may not have that connection. That is what I would recommend. You know, we were lucky enough to meet because of another school of leader Mm -hmm. dogs. So it's a great resource. I highly recommend it. Love it. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. All right, crew. I hear from folks pretty much daily asking for a specific topic or for a series of podcasts on a topic. So ask and you shall receive. (laughs) I've done all the hard work. I've sorted, searched, and compiled eight different albums from the archives on our most popular topics. And when I say there's a podcast for that, I ain't just a woofin. Getting yours today is super simple. Just jump on puredogtalk.com backslash store and click the PDT albums image. And when you're in there, you're going to find a collection of veterinary voices. You're going to find a collection for breeding and whelping hands-on You'll find Pure Dog Talk University on dog breeding. Love the breeds. Up your game. Owner handlers, the interviews, events and sports. There is so much there. And once you're in those links, you'll be able to read the details of the topic. For a special introductory price of a buck ninety-nine, you get a link to dozens, up to more than a hundred episodes on these specific topics. And while you're there, if you or a friend or family member are just getting started, even just starting a search for your first well-bred purebred dog, you can also check out Auntie Laura's Beginner's Guide to Show Dogs at puredogtalk.com backslash book to get the foundational Pure Dog Talk episodes with bonus tracks. So hop on it, y'all. These special prices will not last. So just walk us through the owner, breeder, familiar person drops the puppy with the stranger in the strange land. (laughs) Stranger in the strange (laughs) land is how we're starting this. And then walk us through each one of the specific tests that you use in this particular testing system. Yeah, of course. So the first initial thing is once they're dropped off, we're looking at hyperattachment, like I mentioned. We want to see, is that dog going to be okay if left alone in an unfamiliar environment with an unfamiliar person? And really, at first, you don't want to engage. You just want to sit back, watch, be neutral. So you don't want to be hovering over the puppy. You want to be a good distance. Um, Uh, Puppy, 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 puppy. Yeah, no. 
You don't want to do that. <laughs> you can eventually, but you want to see their initial reaction. I'm looking at, is the puppy really concerned that that person just left you with a stranger? Stranger danger, you know? Mm-hmm. What is that puppy going to do? After a few minutes, then if they haven't voluntarily come up to me, so say they turn around, they see me, and they engage with something else. Okay, so that tells me that the most exciting thing in the room, they're nervous about. So they've chosen to go after a less stressful item in the room other than the exciting person. So I want to see, do they engage with people? That's first and foremost. If they do, then, you know, we can start doing some encouragement and engaging with them, kneeling down, but not hovering over. Do not hover over this puppy. Squat down into the side, pet the puppy, see how they're engaging. How are they handling you touching them now? Because now you've added another step to this. Okay, I've engaged with this stranger. Now they're touching me. Am I okay with this? Am I not? So naturally, I kind of just go into handling. How is this dog going to do if I'm petting it? It is handling it very well. Okay, so now I'm going to go into a little bit of, I'm going to check the ears, the eyes, the mouth, the teeth. You know, what is this puppy going to allow me to do? This puppy is going to encounter multiple vet trips. Some breeds are going to encounter groomers, so they need to be able to be handled with enough calm and confidence that they're not terrified of, oh my gosh, I was fine with you until you touched my tail. Now I'm going to go. You touched my foot. Yeah. (laughs) You've insulted my ancestors. Yes. No. So it's really important how they handle. And again, some puppies are going to be totally fine with it. They're like, touch whatever. Mm -hmm. Some puppies may be a little stiff. It's the very minor things that you also want to look for. Did that puppy just for a second tense up? Okay. Now I know that puppy's maybe unsure, so I should go a little slower. Then you want the next step. Okay. Do you have a natural urge to follow? For our school, we want them to follow. We want them to follow us. We want them to engage with us. So at first, I'll walk away, not really enticing them unless I need to. I want to see if they have that natural urge to follow me. Mm -hmm. Once we do that, it just depends on the puppy. You know, can I move into a more stressful thing like placing a collar and leash on them? And applying a slight, and I'm underlying that slight amount of pressure just to see, are they going to naturally be aversive to this pressure? Are they going to what we call activate? When they activate, that means they're showing their stress outwardly. So they're moving, they're biting at the leash, the collar, or are they totally fine with it? Sometimes I even have puppies that are like, okay, I'm coming with you. And I'm like, okay, well, this is <laughs> not what I'm looking for. <laughs> Or are they going to be more passive with their stress? Are they going to shut down a little bit? Are they going to tense up, lower themselves to the ground? Okay, so that tells me those are the cues that I need to look for throughout the test. This puppy is more passively avoidant. If they're stressful, they're going to be very quiet about it. When you have the more active, outwardly stressed puppies, you're going to visibly see it. (laughs) So that tells me what to look for while I proceed with the test. So depending on how that goes, if I can feel like I can walk them by a blowing fan, I want to see how they handle that. Are they going to go through it? Are they going to choose to go around it to get to me? Or are they going to avoid it and go the other way? Same thing with underfootings. I want to see how they handle walking on top of surfaces. Again, for our schools, these dogs have to walk over a multitude of surfaces through their life. Metal grates, rubber, (laughs) brick, Mm -hmm. grass. For our test, we used a section of an X-Pen. Mm-hmm. 
something they're not going to encounter in their natural environment, but something they may encounter later in life. Not particularly an X-Pen, but maybe a metal grating that's just similar to that. How are they going to handle stairs? A lot of puppies don't encounter stairs. So, okay, are they going to be comfortable with testing it out and going up? You don't have to go up a whole flight. You can go up a stair or two and see how comfortable they are and then come back down. For a startle response, we use an umbrella. We pop it open, and let me stress this, we pop it out away from the puppy. (laughs) We want the puppy to see what we're doing. We do not want to pop it open at the puppy. Let's actually be really helpful. Point it the other direction, pop it open, put it on the ground. So now I've got a startle response, if any, and I see if once I put it on the ground, I want to see if they engage with it. Okay, they're shocked for a second, but then you know what? I'm kind of curious about that umbrella. What is it? And I will tell you, most of the confident puppies try to take off with the umbrella yeah, once they have it in the house. Yep. If they avoid the umbrella, that tells me I can't move forward with the next step, which is to touch them on the back. So far enough away, not their head, not their mm-hmm. face, mm-hmm. their back end to see if they are okay with, you know, a new startling object touching them. So they saw it, they heard it, they engaged with it maybe, now it's touching them. How are they responding to all of this? That's a lot in a puppy world. They've not encountered this before. So really gauging how they handle stressors, how they handle people. And then also, if you're testing for chase, put a towel on a string and pull it around. See if they have that natural urge to chase. We don't test for that. We don't want our puppies chasing things. I want to see if they will actually go pick something up. I want to know about that, that particular drive. Yep. And mobility work, you know, so we don't do mobility dogs, but schools that do mobility work, that is something they're going to want to test for. For us, we really don't want that prey drive. We don't want that natural urge to chase. So you could test just to see if the dog has the urge, but really that's not something we're looking for. For us personally, we're really trying to make sure that this is a well-rounded dog with a strong foundation and if there's something we need to work through. You could also use a vacuum. Those are household items. Those are things Mm -hmm. they're going to encounter. Mm -hmm. We encourage all of our puppy raisers to expose them to those when they're in the home. Mm -hmm. Statues. So we use a stuffed dog. (laughs) Very cute. Yes. It's like a life-size stuffed dog. Yes. It looks like a black lab. It's beautiful. But the reason we use the statue is because, okay, so how do dogs communicate? They communicate through body language. Mm -hmm. So when they see a statue, most of the time dogs are put off by statues. And you will see that most commonly, especially in young puppies, because the dog's stiff. It's not moving. It's got a hard stare. Mm -hmm. And it's most often either forwards or neutral. So now you have a dog or a statue that's entered into the scenery. We pull it out during the test. We do not keep it out. We want this to be something that they now encounter when we are ready for that, if we can. But it's really important to see, okay, how are they going to react with a statue with this posture that's already off-putting? It's giving them signals of, don't engage with me. Right. And a lot of the times, the more confident puppies are like, hey, hi, how are you doing? And then they figure out. I'll check. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And then they try to, you know, eat the tag or, you know, try to bite the legs. But then there are some puppies, they look at this dog and they're like, oh gosh, this dog is telling me to back off. I'm unsure. I don't know. We really want to see their initial response. When we grade, initial responses are the ones that we grade. 
However, I do note if they are more forgiving and if they are willing to give it a good try and say, you know what, I'm not sure, but I will try. If I feel a puppy can handle it, I might encourage them to come sniff that object or crouch down and make puppy noises, you know, puppy, puppy, puppy. Mm -hmm. Will they maybe investigate with some encouragement? And again, that's where that having that trainer know when to encourage and when to stop is very important. So those are the most common items that we just I think that's fabulous. And I love that there's a place like if you get to this point and we're not going forward, okay, that tells us one thing, you know, there's stopping points along the way where you stop and where you continue and why I think Mm -hmm. it's really really important. Yeah. Being able to be flexible. And some of the dogs that even when I came out to evaluate the litter that you have, you can move around. You don't have to follow it to a T. Mm -hmm. If you feel that, you know what, maybe let's warm the puppy up and engage them in a different way. You have to be able to make that call. You have to know, okay, you know what, this puppy is having a little bit of issues. I can tell you right now, Orange Collar was my favorite of that litter because he was unsure until he felt like he had a little bit of a connection with me. And then by the time I left to see if he had any, just the connection that short amount of time we had, which he did. Mm -hmm. I walked out of the training station and went out of sight to see if he had any kind of attachment issues. And once we broke through that barrier of him being unsure, he was willing Yeah, he was willing to do whatever I asked of him. And that to me is so important, like that trust and that Mm -hmm. instant connection. Mm -hmm. But again, knowing how to build that successfully, just even within that short amount of time of the test, we were able to build that. So that's why the people that you have doing the test is instrumental. Yeah, knowing when and when not to do things. (laughs) (laughs) I think the when not to sometimes is more important than anything else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and yeah, you can encourage, you can use a toy if you want. You can use kibble treats. I really like to see if I'm enough of a reinforcer that they will be willing to do it for me. Cause the goal for our dogs, they have to work for people. They have to have that connection with people and they need to be willing to do that. Now we breed labs because one, they are very food motivated <laughs> yeah. and we use a yeah. lot of positive reinforcement. But again, you know, initially I want to see if they'll work for a person, for me, for whoever the evaluator is. Now for a pet dog, okay, you use whatever you need to, to get a good response. As long as you feel you can continue to push this puppy. I cannot stress enough. This is a pivotal time in their learning experience. So don't push a puppy who is shut down, shaking, doesn't even want to look at you, is looking away. Yeah. Do not push that puppy. <laughs> you got a puppy who's like, all right, I'm going to It's really important to read the puppies and they tell us what they're ready for. So Absolutely. All right. Well, Hannah, thank you so much. I think this is incredibly valuable information. I still have Absolutely. my paperwork. And I'm taking it when I go evaluate my litter. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much. Have a great day, Hannah. Thanks. You too. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. 
The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.